Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. This Shabbat has a special name. It's called Shabbat Shirah, the Shabbat of the song. The song in question is Shiratayam, the song of the sea. Moses and Miriam and the children of Israel sing a song of deliverance, a song of praise of God, a song of, of, of celebration of salvation after they have crossed the sea safely. You know the story, the people have the sea in front of them, they panic, and God tells Moses, hit the sea with your staff. Moses hits the sea, the sea splits, the people go through, and then as the Egyptians are chasing them, the waters return and drown the Egyptians. And the people realize that at this moment, they are completely free from Egypt in terms of not having to worry, not having to be concerned about the Egyptians chasing after them anymore. There's one line in this song that I want to focus on. In fact, really one word in the song I want to focus on. Ze Eli Vianvehu. This is my God, and I will glorify God. And I want to look at that word vanvehu and glorify God and share with you two comments from the tradition about what this could mean and how we're to understand it. The first is a reference to something you've heard in this podcast before, but not relating to this particular word. Vanvehu, I will glorify God. Some of the rabbis read into this word an interesting uh, pun, as it were. The word ani, meaning I, and the word who, meaning God. He, who, meaning he, referring to God. They see the words ani, vihu, I, and God. And this commentary is that, in fact, the way that we glorify God is by acting godlike to the extent we can. As God is merciful, so should we be merciful. As God visits the sick, so should we visit the sick. You've heard this before in this podcast. It's a very common expression that finds its way in a lot of different rabbinic texts, and some actually related to this word, ve'anvehu, because again, ani vehu, and if you see the Hebrew, you can see those letters in it, I and he, meaning God, ani vehu, somehow will be connected and that's the way we glorify God, by acting God-like in our lives and in the world. I love that expression. I love that interpretation. But there's another one that I want to share with you. And this is another interpretation that's found, in fact, in the Talmud. And the interpretation is, how do we glorify God? Now, it may be that there's a pun here as well. It's not a precise one, but the word va'anvehu contains the letters nun aleph hey, which means pleasant or nice or beautiful. And the tradition is, according to the Talmud, that this is the source of something we know of as hidur mitzvah, the beautification of a mitzvah. How do we glorify God? According to this interpretation in the Talmud, we glorify God by having a nice sukkah, a beautiful sukkah, a beautiful talit, a beautiful prayer shawl, a beautiful mezuzah on our doorpost. I'll extend it to say a beautiful Seder plate, beautiful Hanukkah menorah, beautiful Shabbat candles, 
This is the way we glorify God by making the ritual objects that we use particularly beautiful. And I think that's a very, very beautiful interpretation. But unfortunately, it also can be difficult. It also can present a problem, and it really should be one that we should be wrestling with a bit. Because in fact, some people will read that and assume that it means that the value of a ritual that we perform is directly related to the beauty of the object which we're using. That we have to make our sukkah extra beautiful. That we have to have extra beautiful Shabbat candles or extra beautiful mezuzah on our doorpost. And while some of that's nice to think about, it also can present a challenge to people because ritual objects, Jewish ritual objects can be expensive. And if we're told by somebody that we have to have a nice ritual object and that somehow the, the value of the ritual will be judged by the object that we use, that can be a bit of a problem. So I find myself pushing back a little bit about this concept of Hidur Mitzvah when it has to do with the monetary value of the object that of the, of the ritual object. I don't think anybody should be made to feel guilty if they don't have a beautiful Hanukkah, if they don't have a beautiful uh, set of, of Shabbat candles, if they don't have the, the, the funds or the energy or the ability to decorate the sukkah beautifully. I think a lot of the beauty in ritual objects can come from how we treat them, where they come from, what memories they bring up for us. I think about it, for example, kids go to summer camp, Jewish summer camp, or maybe in their school, and they make some Shabbat candles Shabbat candlesticks, so they make a kind of a Hanukkah. And let's face it, some of the things our kids bring home from arts and crafts aren't necessarily the most beautiful. They aren't the most beautiful physically, but they mean so much to us. They are beautiful in a different way. So I, I like the idea of Hidur Mitzvah of beautifying a mitzvah. We should take care of our ritual objects. We should put our best foot forward when it comes to using them. But we should never judge them by their monetary value. And we should never be convinced. And you, all you have to do is go online to find, I could tell you stories. I, I just, I'll just give you one particular example of a story. Since I, since I say I could tell you stories, I'll tell you one. There's a tradition that we have that, that, that we leave stones, uh, uh, little, little stones on, on, on a grave when we go to visit it. Sometime I'll go through the whole story of why we do that. But you know this tradition. We put stones on a, on a headstone to say that we visited. I once saw an advertisement in a Jewish magazine for polished, beautiful stones that you could buy to leave on a headstone. And the implication of the advertisement was that you just don't want to use any old stone you find around. You should use the most beautiful stone to show your love for the individual. I found that to be so totally offensive. Because, first of all, why? what does it matter what the stone looks like? But even more importantly, what better uses of money, 
what better uses of funds could we find than a polished stone to leave at a grave? And I go through, I, I say this honestly, if the buying of a fancy ritual object means that we give less money in tzedakah or means we start judging things by their monetary value, then we're really going down the wrong path. So I do particularly like this idea. This is my God and I will glorify God by making my ritual objects nice and pleasant. But nice and pleasant does not necessarily mean expensive and fancy. Nice and pleasant means something that comes from the heart, something that we take care of properly, and something which we use in the proper spirit. This is my God and I will glorify God. Let's make sure that we understand the difference between glorifying God and glorifying the, the fancy, artistic, beautiful ritual objects, which have their place, no question, but at the same time, which are not really in and of themselves the only way to glorify God. Until next time, thank you.